TikTok in a lot of ways kind of really disrupted things because of that FYP. They were sort of not reliant on the social graph. And so it provided a ton of opportunity for those who didn't have sort of like a built-in following to just carry over. What's up, folks? Welcome to episode seven of Creator Economy Live. We are your hosts, Keith Bendiz and Brennan Gann, and we are joined today by Tim Chisano, creator with over one million followers on TikTok, host of the Long-Winded by Nature podcast, Emmy Award winner, and by day, he's the VP of Production and Creative Services at a Fortune 100 company. Today, we'll be learning more about Tim's creator journey, do a bit of a VidCon recap, and touch on the top stories in the creator economy. Tim... Thank you so, so much for taking the time today. I'm a longtime fan, and we've met a few times, and I always love chatting with you. I'm, like, incredibly honored that you're here. For those who might not be familiar with you, and if they're not familiar with you, look Tim up. His TikTok is incredible. Do you mind introducing yourself? Anything big that I didn't cover there? Quick background. Yes, kind of fell backwards into TikTok infamy. Within the past couple of years, I'm a 45-year-old dude that has spent a vast majority of his career in a hardcore um, corporate American area, so to speak. Started in live sports production, did a little bit of marketing with ESPN. So there are some elements to all of this that kind of make sense from a higher level, but a lot of it just does not because being in your 40s and getting TikTok famous like this still kind of catches me off guard when I have to give an intro and be like, oh, what's the background? Like, this just sounds goofy coming out of your own mouth. But, you know, probably most importantly, I'm a husband and a dad to a 10-year-old, and I just take the world that exists around me through the lens of a dude that lives in Brooklyn and does what I do for a living and try to give it some context because it has a sense of just being for lack of a better description, just odd and magical at the same time. And so I try to give that sense as to how I actually legitimately see it in my brain on a day-to-day basis, which is why for anybody that has heard or might hear what you hear when you watch and listen to what I'm telling you in my TikToks, the voiceover is made up on the fly just simply because that's how I see the day-to-day. And I try to provide some helpful context, too, because it can be a scary space to, quote-unquote, go into adulthood. But if my dumb ass can figure all this out, as I like to say, anything I can do, you can do better. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of free time between being a father, a podcast (laughs) host, a business person, a creator. So good on you for that. I'm curious, like, what was the very first post that you did? And what was, like, the spark that made you be like, oh, I'm going to do this? My very first TikTok was August of 2019, and it was going from, you know, an OG on Instagram where probably one of the first handful of apps I ever downloaded. So I think my started year is actually the year it was released within a few months of Instagram first being released. But that also meant that you fell into this pit of, oh, it's just a new Facebook, so you're expected to show pictures of your wife and your kid, and it's just kind of like updates, and maybe there's some sort of photographic, artsy nuance to it, but not much more than that. 
I started to get some shit from friends and family as I started to explore more as Instagram progressed, started to put filters on and stories, etc. And would literally get feedback from people like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> that was a weird, are you okay? Like, that, that story post this morning was weird. <laughs> I'm like, A, my job is production and creative services. I should know the technology that's out there. I should know how all this stuff works. B, yes, if you know me in real life, then you know that I'm a bit of a weird dude. So why does it at all phase you that I would want to do protein <laughs> bar reviews and have them very, you know, cut in a very abstract way, or I'd want to use filters and pretend that I'm sleepwalking. Like, that should not shock you. Anyway, that kind of bummed me out. I heard Gary Vaynerchuk talking about TikTok a bunch and was like, all right, I should know, again, to the point of technology, what's happening in the space, how much can somebody actually create content with what's in their pocket, running a 240-person production creative services team that spends a crap load of capital dollars on equipment and all the software licenses that we need, I should know what's happening in this space. One thing that like, I think you do so well, and Keith, you touched on it, sort of like you balance this sense of sort of, you know, you provide insights as well as share, like career insights and advice, as well as share insight into who you are as a person. And just me in my, you know, dabbling as a, a creator bit, that is the part that I always struggle with the most. And so this is like a purely selfish question, but like, how do you think about that? Or is that just sort of naturally the way you tend to like gravitate in the content creation side of things? Because like, I have this like weird, like mental block as soon as it comes to anything remotely personal on camera and like, I just like immediately like pull back. It's a conundrum for sure. And there's definitely times where I've asked myself that same question, but made it very pointed to myself as to why are you doing this? Like this does not make sense. You have a lot that you could lose as a result of oversharing. My company could get super pissed and be like, okay, you're out. You know, my wife could be like, what are you doing? Like you're sharing so much of like my daughter could take exception with it. So there's a lot to be lost in it, but I'll, I'll say this. Having a deeper understanding as to what others can potentially gain has outweighed that to a certain extent. And then once you kind of get to this point where you understand that it fully explaining and fully sharing who you are as a human being, at least for me, helps it come across less show-offy, so to speak, Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not smart enough to have like a full on content calendar where I'm like, I'm going to talk about these things in this sequence. I do not know what tomorrow's TikTok is going to look like. I agree with you, Brandon. I think there's a professional armor that some of us wear and we almost are afraid of, of showing any chinks in that armor. And I think it's really great that you're showing that you need to. I mean, even myself, we were talking fellow girl dad. I've never put that in a bio when I speak at conferences on my LinkedIn, and I've started to do those things of late because I agree with you. I think the human nature is what we need now more than ever, so I love that. Do you think you could have done this on Instagram or because of how TikTok disrupted the beauty of Instagram and allowed for the rawness that it was the perfect time for the style you have to ring through with people? It's a different, it's a great question. It's a different result if it's on Instagram just because of the way the algorithm works, like nobody else would kind of find out unless people really wanted to share it, right? TikTok, especially in 2020, gave this unlimited potential for 
anything to quote unquote go viral versus flop, right? I mean, remember how many posts were like, don't let this flop, right? Like everything had the potential to just all of a sudden be a rocket ship. It still does. It's a, it's a bit different. The interesting other side of that answer though is Instagram is arguably a better content creation and aggregation platform for the individual, right? Because you can do posts. Now, obviously, you can do reels and you can do stories. And there's just something about that context. And I, for a while, I'd done like these weird interviews in my basement where one day I was like, oh, I just figured out in my head how to create like a 60-minute setup if I put my phones like this. And I, for a while, like I dragged <laughs> drag my wife in the basement one night. And I'm like, you're going to sit here. Uh, it's going to be really weird. Like, I'm going to ask you some questions deadpan. Like, this is a real interview. Like, please just go with it. And so I feel like Instagram has this really interesting way to allow for a creator to have these different types of buckets happening, happening concurrently. So while TikTok was kind of the sweet spot at the time for these types of things, I think it was really just because of the opportunity for it to spread. And probably the most important part, though, is I didn't know anybody on TikTok. And that allowed me to just not give a fuck at all, where on Instagram it was college friends and your second cousin and like all these people where starting from zero at TikTok and just not caring was amazing because it was a long time until all of a sudden it was like, oh, hey, you know, having a friend or a peer, again, especially considering my age bracket, it took a long ass time for people to catch up. And at that point, the kind of the cat was already out of the bag. So it's like, and it was also the reason why I'd never reposted my stuff over to Instagram. It's like, I don't want that world to know what I'm doing over here. Like, let me just kind of keep doing this by itself. So, you know, TikTok definitely had to be the thing. But at the same time, it's kind of funny considering, I think, just based off of the structure, Instagram had a better platform to allow the thought process to come to life in different ways and just be kind of housed in a, in a really interesting way, too. Well, I think it's interesting, too, like kind of building on that. TikTok, in a lot of ways, kind of really disrupted things because of that FYP. They were sort of not reliant on the social graph. And so it provided a ton of opportunity for those who didn't have sort of like a built-in following to just carry over. It was really about here's great individual assets, you know, independent of sort of your following or social connections, which provided a lot of opportunity for new creators as well as new styles of content. And now I think to a certain extent, we maybe take that for granted because other platforms have adopted it. But at the time, it was really unique in a lot of incredible ways, which similarly, I think that was why I was comfortable going into TikTok myself. It was like, I still don't post a lot of my stuff on Instagram. There's like a big wall between those two worlds. And um, I'm still like uncomfortable sharing with like that, like my friends and family, anything that's happening on TikTok and vice versa. <laughs> I need to probably get over that. Well, that's why it's such a valuable lesson. I think there's many things to extract from what you just said, Tim, in the last in the last 15, 20 minutes. But I think two things that are so incredibly powerful is create like no one's looking. I really do think that's part of the success criteria on any of these platforms. That's what I say to everyone on LinkedIn too. Just create like no one's looking. Don't worry if you get zero engagements or likes, keep creating. And then the second, which I think is a powerful message, is if you're in this industry, and we're all in this industry as business professionals, you kind of need to create and be on these platforms and be participating 
if you're going to be on the other side as the business side to understand the creator side. And I do think that's really important too. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I'm, I'm actually petrified of LinkedIn because of the reasons we've already stated relative to who's watching and who's doing what, and then who's going to judge you based off of it. I'm trying to get smarter now about how do I look at each platform individually and see like, okay, there's opportunity to talk about this here and that here. But then again, I'll also paint myself in a corner because I'll come up with these. I think it was last night. I was like, what if I did like a movie that was each post was just a scene, but it's like you had to follow the popcorn trail from like episode one, season one is a TikTok. Episode two, season one is YouTube shorts and like did something along those lines. I'm like, that sounds amazing, but God, is that complicated and do not sign yourself up to do something that crazy. But it is so fun right now to think about how do you utilize these different platforms in different ways? And with that in mind too, the general conundrum of who's watching where, what might the repercussions be or why should you care or not care? Can I start something totally fresh and new YouTube shorts that had not existed elsewhere just to see, you know, kind of test and learn. And then what do you do with Lemonade, right? And then I love Be Real. Actually, Be Real is one of my favorites out there because the people that are there and that follow me because of the way that they restrict it to a certain number, those are like the hardcore, hardcore, I would say, because I think I've got like one actual real friend. And other than that, I just went through and clicked accept until it said you're full out, which I think is a huge miss on Be Real's part to have capacity, but that's a separate conversation. But then I love the fact that those that are there and that are following will see the things that pop up everywhere else. And it's like, it gives them just another little snapshot. So it's also really fun to like try to put these puzzle pieces together and not show up differently, show up as the same exact human being, but allow for each platform to potentially just have a slightly different tweak on how things are being said, especially if there's like a value core at what you're doing. I don't think you can lose looking at things that way to be like, all right, what's the message that I'm going to deliver? And whether that's straight value, just like here's some insights, tips, or tricks that just I know are going to be beneficial for whatever reason, or from an entertainment perspective, because you know that you can take somebody on a bit of a journey and give them some sort of you know outlet arguably and probably a very easy argument to make that there's never been a better time to be a quote-unquote creator in regards to the tools that you have at your disposal. I think this is genius. I really want you to test this, spread the puzzle pieces across the different channels. I think even for people who have high followings on one, like TikTok, and I know we're going to talk about VidCon and some of the learnings out of VidCon, but even if you have a big following on TikTok, you don't want to be over-reliant on TikTok. That's actually a decent strategy of starting to build your shorts following, build your, your Instagram following, building your other followings by starting something on TikTok and then saying, check out part two and part three in these other places. I think that's such a fascinating idea. Create a nice little flywheel. What's been the biggest benefit of being a creator and what's been the biggest negative? Biggest benefit is the relationships. The things that I've been able to do the experiences that I've had and the friendships that I've built, the relationships that I've built, is easily like, there's nothing that comes close to that just because of the human element to it. I'm overdue to respond to a text message from a creator named Kells. Kells is, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? The guy does food reaction videos. 
he's an amazing human so. being. And like I have these relationships with people, and some of which I've never met in person, but are like these genuine, amazing dynamic of just human beings finding some sort of connective tissue through this. The downside is it takes a toll. Creation and being a creator has been turned into a sport, right? We're looking at our own statistics on a daily basis. It's like you know, opening up the sports section being like, everybody saw that I batted, that I was 0 for 4 last night. Everybody saw that, you know, this season I'm, I'm in a slump right now, or like because of the analytics, because everyone can see views and likes and all that kind of stuff, it has turned creativity into a sport. And that can take a toll in a lot of different ways. But I'm so lucky because a lot of the things that I could say in regards to what the downside would be, because I have the support at home that I do, so easy for this to, you know, create some sort of strain on a marriage so easy for this to create some sort of time issue or prioritization issues, but my wife is genuinely encouraging. She will say, she'll be the first one to say that she's the number one fan, and she truly is, where, like, if I, I don't miss a lot of days posting, and if I do, she'll be like, what happened today? Where was your TikTok? Yeah, and, like, that, and then you think about, like, the what has to go into that, right? Because you get pulled in this weird world pulled in a weird world with a largely different age demo where you start to get invited to some of these events. And it's like all of that, there's so many different pieces of how those dominoes fall. You take one out of line and it can be a total cluster. So I'm fortunate to say that it's really just been the mental toll of sorts to just simply not give up. It's been super tempting. I've been to that delete account page multiple times and thought like, just walk away, go back to your normal life, and that was fun. But I haven't, and it's led to some <laughs> things that I could have absolutely never fathomed. I'm certainly glad that you haven't, and uh, I can relate to those feelings. Real quick, maybe we can kind of do a quick recap of, of VidCon at a high level Tim, I know you were there. I was out there. Some of the big takeaways for me, just in terms of like overall industry things, I'm curious your take. It seems like everything was very much AI, AI, AI. YouTube announced AI dubbing. There were a ton of AI startups. OpenAI had a presence there. A couple of weeks back, TikTok announced their ad script generator. Couple other takeaways were it seems like shopping is a big priority. YouTube announced they're testing out live shopping, I think, in, in um, uh, South Korea initially, but then they're planning on expanding. TikTok has been pushing that recently as well. Did you see any other broad sort of macro trends or any highlights in particular from you from this year's VidCon? It was my first VidCon with my family there. And what stuck out to me was what my wife's initial impression was from a macro level and that was how inclusive it is it's a great one in regards yeah. to just like she's like look, just looking at the potpourri of people in the lobby at the crater hotel from age race gender ability like across the board she's like wow that is so cool like that was th something that she didn't so i would say hats off to the crater space for having that be an initial impression for somebody that came in from just the, the clear blue sky. Similar elements to you, like AI is just inherently everywhere these days. 
And I think it's interesting in that we keep going to what it's doing versus how is it just enabling things, if that makes sense. I feel like there's this larger connotation of like, here are very specific lane, lanes for it to fall into and we just don't know anything about where it could potentially go right or wrong. And how do we just kind of have it as almost like the Intel chip inside versus it being kind of shown as like, oh, this is the full-on MacBook, so to speak, where whatever we want to do and where we want to take things, like how can that help us versus it being kind of the the headline for things and like here's a really specific and tactical elements to look towards. I mean, I might be just create, you know, kind of graying the entire area by saying it that way, but I like trying to think about it as it's just there and it could be helpful. It's not necessarily like an end-all, be-all by any stretch. Shopping as well, I thought was super interesting. There's so much happening in the creator space when it comes to these like one-off deals that I think is a hot mess. And if from a shopping perspective, that allows for a more organic way for brands to be able to insert themselves into content and then become shoppable, and a creator can benefit from that, like I think that that's, that has to be where the space goes. It just seems nuts for there to be so much back and forth and money spent for a one-off post that does one thing that you have probably a, you know, attribution I'm sure is easy to track, but like, is that really gonna make a massive difference versus can it just always be shoppable that whatever popcorn I happen to have during snack hour, and you see me talking about it multiple times, you can go ahead and buy that, and then I benefit from it just because you learned about the brand through me. So, you know, those are my key takeaways. And then again, at a super macro level, like the relationships is just the coolest aspect to the whole thing. And the people that you come across and the conversations that you have, just truly being part of the community, you, I don't think you can overstate the importance of that. And that means spending all, and it's funny because it's like the stuff that during my day job, quote unquote, I'm most uncomfortable with, but in the creator space, I'm like most comfortable with, which is just like hanging out in the lounge and having 15 different conversations over the course of an hour and seeing where they go versus having a specific agenda kind of uh, going in. I think it's such an interesting observation though. The, the, the business corporate world is so, so much more scripted and agenda because I do notice all these creator events, just how open and friendly and community-driven all of the creators are. And the creator industry is a business in itself. And you think, well, are they competing for dollars and competing for brand partnerships? But I've never, ever gotten that vibe at any of these events, at any of these conferences. Everyone is so collaborative. On the AI side, I am curious, Tim, are you using anything that's part of your process? Like I know, Brendan, you and I talk about this. We dabble in a ton of stuff. I try to play with everything. I'm on ChatGPT a lot. I'm on Bard a lot. TikTok, you mentioned the script generator, I think is a really cool premise, but I haven't adopted anything as an integral part of my creation process. I'm just curious, have you? Not as part of my work, my my content creation workflow process. No, once I put into ChatGPT, I think it was like top 10 questions or, you know, what are the topics that are most concerning to a specific generation relative to like career space? It was something along those lines. And but that's it, and I don't think I've actually used it for anything since I put that since I put that prompt in. But actually, on the on my day job side, we launched a, and this is something that I think you should both check out because it's fun to talk about because it goes back to 2017 and seeing an ad for a platform called Waymark show up in my Instagram feed, 
and building a partnership and alignment with them where we kind of, you know, had this similar vision of can we democratize television commercial creation for small businesses? And we, in large part, accomplished that. And then this year had just an absolute blast breakthrough moment because the trick was always, how do you get a voiceover in real time to appear on a commercial so that a small business owner can go in and like five minutes have a commercial that they could put on TV? And because there's now there's tools out there that allow for small businesses to be able to place media schedules on TV, and it's just a very unknown space, unfortunately. Everyone gravitates towards Boost My Post and like, you know, Google ads and all that kind of good stuff, but you can actually buy a TV campaign online. So the to solve for that, AI was the was the secret solution. We had always been using it behind the scenes for how those commercials would come together. But if you check out Waymark, like you can go in and literally just put in any small business, like just pick a small business off the top of your head, put it into the AI thing, it'll confirm like what the address is, and you give it like a prompt, you don't even have to give it a prompt, and about 90 seconds, it's gonna do a web scrape for your assets, and it's gonna write a script and do the voiceover for it, and it's gonna be about 85% done, and you can then kind of like go play around with it. So actually, AI has shown up less for me on the creator side, you know, I love the conversation, think it's fascinating, et cetera, but like, but actually it's on, been on the business side and specifically for small businesses that it's shown up the most. And it's also part of the reason why I say, I like to look at AI less as a, this is what it's doing and just kind of shove it in the background more. And if it can potentially be some sort of vessel to getting me to where my weirdest ideas are bringing me, and then it was, the weirdest idea you had was, can you go and use some sort of online platform to build a fully baked 30-second TV quality commercial in a matter of minutes? And AI helped get us there. And so it's like, I try to put it into that box of like, you're just a cool tool when we need you. But at the same time, like for a multitude of reasons, I don't want to put that thing at you know front and center. It's so fun with AI how there's so many like practical applications that you can instantly play with and test. Whereas like it's sort of this interesting contrast because like last year it was like Web three was at the probably at the peak of its hype cycle. And there, what was interesting was like what the potential applications are. And the beauty of AI is like it's like I can actually apply the applications today and get instant feedback. And it's just like this constant like. I'm like, ooh, I wonder if I could do this and test it out. And like, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun to play with. Did the TikTok discussion come up at all? I know, I think it was even during VidCon, was it at VidCon that the CEO of Night Read Desher made some of those comments around basically his projection on TikTok is that creators can't be overly reliant on it as a platform, even though half of Night's creators are, are mostly prevalent on TikTok. So did that come up at VidCon? Did people talk about this at VidCon? And Tim, TikTok is... I think your biggest channel, like what is your thought on some of his sentiment? I know Reed, I like Reed a lot. I was at the night dinner on Friday night, at least for a little bit, and I agree. I think that I'm, I'm way over-reliant on it, but at the same time, I don't care because it's just, there's nothing special about the platform other than the fact that I have the largest audience there, and not to dismiss that by any stretch of the imagination, but if it shut off tomorrow, I would just start posting elsewhere. And then I would figure out what to do next. So I think 
I think the short answer is yes. There are too many creators that are putting their too many eggs in a singular basket, but that then depends on is what they're doing specifically made for TikTok or is TikTok just simply the vessel that's getting out what they're doing right now? Creator Economy Live. Join Keith and Brendan live and in person, as well as hundreds of brands in Vegas on January 17th for lively conversation and debate about everything in the world of influencer marketing and the creator economy. All right, so we've got some rapid fire questions. Let's dive on in. If you could only consume content from one platform, which would you choose? TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn? I'm going to go with YouTube just because it's got the most depth and it's got at least a couple of different varieties now and it probably also has the most practical across the board. That's it's a it's a tough one to just pick one and it's funny because it's probably what I use the least right <laughs> now, but if I just had to pick one, I would actually go with YouTube. Awesome. Favorite creator of all time. I'm going to throw you a massive curveball on this. The creator's name is Anna X. She is based out of California, recent grad. When you look just scientifically at what she has done, she's like one of the best at ever making transitions with TikTok as an app and just simply just like those tricks that people yeah. can do where they're just kind of like swiping around. Like next level. I think she has like an engineering degree on top of just being a pop culture icon to a certain extent where she's opened up doors for herself, you know, and things like red carpets and premieres and like has done, had legitimate like TV experience, et cetera. And it, she's just got whole, wholesome stuff overall as well. And she's also makes herself very vulnerable. So just checks a lot of boxes. It's a weird one at face value. be like, that makes no sense in the world. But I think specific because of like her editing style, how long she's been doing it, her background that's both an art and a science, the fact that she has opened up new doors, the fact that her intentions are always good and it's just kind of got this like very safe essence to it overall. And I just think she's got a ton of potential. I've learned a ton from her too. Like, again, you could look at this stuff and be like, how in the world does a 45-year-old corporate dude learn from this stuff? But if you think of the way that she storytells, even if it's here are five different scenes to take you from I'm getting ready to go out to walk the red carpet at this event and I get blown away by the brilliance of like how that transition happens. Even if we're talking about makeup stuff, which obviously it's not in my ballpark, just I don't happen to wear makeup. So like, <laughs> but there's just so much that can be learned there. So I'm going to use her name. Awesome. I'll have to check her out. Favorite brand of all time? Uh, this, is a, this, is, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with Supreme which a lot of people think is dead right now, but I don't care because it's been around since 1994 and it will have another revival. I think it's one of the most interesting brand case studies of modern consumerism relative to how they got the name in the first place, the things that they put it on, the fact that they've been able to collaborate with Kermit the Frog, <laughs> you know, all the way to some of the most notorious and hardcore rappers on the planet and basically do whatever they want in the space and have for a long time. I kind of like the fact that they're in a lull right now because it just means that it doesn't feel like everyone's hovering over them. But there's just, there's something so interesting about Supreme that 
it makes it makes it easy. I mean, I got there's a Wheaties box, but I'm like Supreme Wheaties, like it's just they come up with, come up with the most ridiculous things, and they're so thoughtful that um, it's an easy one for me. That's awesome. Favorite viral video of all time? Can't remember her name, but there's a viral video of a woman who gave an explanation about how to approach an interview. You know, I think at this point it's probably got 25 million views or so. This went mega viral in late 2019 or tw- or like late 20 or late 19. And she was like the first person to use text to voice. I was like, how do you answer this question? And then she got into it and it's kind of a longer TikTok. It's purely informational, but it went mega viral and got her several hundred thousand followers over the course of like a couple of weeks. But what I why I like that the most is a it's helpful and it's just a it's a smart piece of content that people should watch. But also I remember being like, wow, I got I, I'm being out TikToked here. This creator is mid twenties, probably hasn't even been on a lot of interviews herself, but yet she was able to simplify the answer to this question that is perplexed so many people, and do it in a way that's gotten that type of virality. I was like, had like. I remember first being frustrated, being like, wait, that's supposed to be, like, I'm, I should be a career guy giving this type of perspective. I'm like, no, asshole, you just got out TikTok. And she did an amazing job with that. And if there's a TikTok Hall of Fame, that post in particular should go in there. Erin McGough, I think is her name. All right. Creator of the Week, Brand of the Week, follow, unfollow. Keith, Creator of the Week. Let's do it. Should I just go through all of them? Do we want to go through rapid fire? I'll go first, you go second. We'll end with Tim. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. All right, let's do it. My creator of the week is Felix Lengel. I'm sure we know Felix goes by XQC. I think he was the largest, I believe he was the largest Twitch streamer around, and he signed a $100 million deal with Kick. I know, Brendan, you and I have our own opinions and concerns about Kick as a platform, but it's a good play for them. I'm getting live golf vibes of stealing the big talent with the big dollars. But I mean, congrats for Felix, $100 million. I did a post on that the other day, and um, I'm pretty certain, I think we touched on it, but Kick is uh, essentially a platform to funnel people into stake the crypto gambling site. So I have mixed feelings about it, but that's besides the point. Props to him for getting the bag. I'm going to say creator of the week, Tim. Tim, you've always been incredibly generous and kind and are as cool, I mean, even cooler than your online persona. They say never meet your heroes, but you're like the nicest, sweetest person. I appreciate that. My creator of the week is Baked by Melissa. I love the fact that she doesn't do really like any cupcake or baking stuff. It's the, like, I've gone down a wormhole with her stuff recently and she, you know, and we've become like, kind of chat buddies on the side, but I'm just consistently impressed with what she brings to the table that is so off-brand, yet perfectly on-brand at the same time. And I'm just inherently kind of rooting for those that are wear their heart on their sleeve to a certain extent. And, you know, and even though she doesn't get into the personal space very much, I think it's just easy to tell like what kind of person that she is just through her recipes. Amazing. Keith, brand of the week. 
I'm going McDonald's for the Grimace shake. I don't know if they they deserve it because I still don't know if they have anything to do with this, but I don't know how many <laughs> of these videos you're watching. They make me laugh hysterically. So the Grimace shake is something they released. It's purple. People are doing these videos where they drink the Grimace shake. And then I guess hell ensues. A lot of them are falling on the floor. There's shake so all funny. over them. But this thing has taken over TikTok in the last week. McDonald's hasn't really said anything. They had a great meme. I forget exactly what the meme said. It was something like me not knowing or recognizing that the Grimace shake is real. But there's some people who think maybe they seeded this or planted this or wanted this. There's others who are like, they're just happy sitting on the sidelines watching it happen. But what an awesome organic moment for a brand. 100%. Mine is uh, a weird one for me. I was going to do the Grimace shake, but you had that, or McDonald's rather. But I'm going to go with Barbie, 64-year-old brand. They're maintaining relevance going into the movie launch, which is a pretty lofty task. And I think in general, Mattel has done a great job embracing digital and social. But they just launched that Barbie Dreamhouse in Malibu. I think it's a collaboration with Airbnb. They did that Barbie self-generator. There's... I feel like now it's really hard to generate hype around movies, and they've done an incredible job so far. Tim? I'm going with something I actually saw coming out of Cannes, the game Warcraft. Like, I don't know when they actually did this, but as I was reviewing some of the accolades coming out of Cannes, it's not that old of a game, right? It's an app game, and I've never actually played it, but when I saw what they did to help create this world in which they basically fictitiously told the story that they're a 40-year-old game and they had they had like documentaries done that helped kind of walk through the inception of the game and then they hid alternate versions of the game in the game so that people could go back and play Whoa. what it would have been if it actually was a game in like 1992 or whatever the year was and so they created this entire world around something that didn't even exist to mark an anniversary that was fake in the first place, just to basically reward the people, A, to obviously create buzz and have a conversation it can, but it ultimately went and rewarded the people that play the game the most because that created so many other opportunities for them to do alternate logos and different types of swag and have these alternate games that exist within the game. And I was like, that is just so smart. And I don't think I'd heard of all the stunts that I'd heard of of somebody being like, Actually, we're not just a four-year-old brand, we're a 40-year-old brand. And like, let us tell you the story of all of that and the detail in which they went to to have this come to life was nuts. I was just, I was so impressed with the whole story and the whole thought process behind it. Oh, wow. I'll have to check that out. That's awesome. All right. And last but not least, follow, unfollow. Keith. All right, I'll go quick. My follow is dupes. This is a huge trend on TikTok right now. I don't know if either of you are seeing this, but it's basically knockoff products of high-end products. And so all of these people are showing what what are look-alike almost products that you would like as much but aren't as expensive. So especially for the younger generation, they're loving it. I think it's really interesting. The Lululemon, I think it was the CMO, said something like, we love it. I know we're being compared to dupes that you could spend less, but our name is being said a lot and we're now being considered the high-end. It's all good for us. So I, I, am, I am really interested in this trend, liking that trend. And then my unfollow is YouTube Zen Mode. I don't know if you've ever had a Zen Mode commercial come up on YouTube. It's basically when they can't place that commercial or sell it. It's this really relaxing, like waterfall or ocean scene. And it's a really nice surprise. You're watching, you're like, ah, oh, Zen Mode came up. Now it's being branded. So it's like Zen <laughs> Mode brought to you by Progressive. And I'm like, don't interrupt my Zen Mode. Come on. This is the one moment watching screens where I'm relaxed. And now you got to put in an advertisement. 
That's interesting. Okay, I haven't seen that. I'll check it out. My follow is John Ronson. He's an author. His book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, I think is more relevant today than when it was released in 2015. He basically talks about sort of this trend of publicly shaming, particularly on social media. And uh, it was prompted by what I was sort of thinking about what my unfollow would be. And it's like, so I guess broadly my unfollow is the sheer number of people celebrating and contributing to people's sort of missteps. And like, I've seen it a lot this week with like the Titan and Sheehan and sort of people celebrating like downfalls and tragedies and missteps. And I have such mixed feelings about it. Like I've never purchased anything from Sheehan. I see people, these influencers being put on blast and like, I'm not in any way endorsing what they're doing, but at the same time, I can't help but feel like, there's something unnerving about sort of celebrating someone's misstep that just makes me feel really gross. And uh, I mean, I'm not being holier than thou. I'm like, I'm a terrible person in my own way. And like, you know, I've got the iPhone. I'm sure I buy plenty of things that are terrible for the world. But there's a great line in his book that I, I wanted to share. And with social media, we've created a stage for constant artificial high drama. Every day, a new person emerges as a magnificent hero or a sickening villain. And I don't know, I just have such mixed feelings about it. And I'm sure I'm as guilty of it as anyone else. But just seeing sort of these takedowns and stuff, I just really had mixed feelings about things. <laughs> so that's mine. Tim, follow, unfollow. A similar theme for the second part of it. The follow is a guy named Wisdom. I think is pronounced it. He spells it with an eight at the end, so it can it can. But his, I think his, his real name is Wisdom K, and he's this brilliant fashion creator who's created a massive brand for himself and one of those that kind of went from you know zero to Ford model and seemingly in the blink of an eye and for good reason. And he comes across so smart on camera, and he just consistently is putting out relevant, useful content, even if it's him just wearing these ridiculous outfits, because the thoughtfulness that goes behind and just the, you can you can hear how his brain works, and even if the what he is wearing is completely unrelatable, the fact that you can, at least for me, can understand the thought process that went into why this and how the composition works, I've just, I've loved his stuff. For, it was actually a, a toss-up when it comes to like favorite creator all the time, and I almost threw his name out there. And then on the on the unfollow side is those in a similar capacity that make content that is speaking in a derogatory way of the tr fashion trends that have gone by the wayside. So regardless of what that might be, when people use it as a way to almost like, and it's in a weird way too, sometimes they like call themselves out in it, but it's like, at this point, especially when it comes to fashion and aesthetics, I feel like we've probably run the full gamut a couple of times of all of the potential trends, right? Like jeans are skinny, jeans are baggy, jeans have bell bottoms, jeans don't have bell bottoms. Like, you know, the 90s are back right now. I'm a kid from the 90s, and but yet I wouldn't feel comfortable wearing any of the shit that I wore in high school. So I think those that instead of talking about how these things can potentially work together, why some things are out and therefore other people are stupid for doing it. That's my unfollow because I think unfortunately there is a decent amount of content out there that's like, you know, you can certainly say like, hey, I'm through this, you know, I'm now in this era. Like that's totally different from what I'm describing. It's those that use it as a way to basically 
have click worthy or like, you know, oh, I'll stick around for another 10 seconds because this guy has like a very specific angle and he's obviously very fired up about this topic when it's like, that was a useless piece of garbage that basically just made fun of a whole bunch of other people. And that's just not, it's like, great, thanks for your contribution to the internet today. Like that was, didn't do anyone any good. Well, this was incredible, Tim. I'm so grateful for you giving up your time. And I know we went a bit over and you're incredibly generous. Your content's amazing. Anyone who's listening who isn't already a follower of Tim, give him a follow. And um, super grateful that you're here. And um, yeah, I can't thank you enough, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks for listening. And for more of the latest news on what's happening in influencer marketing and the creator economy, check out the Creator Economy Insider newsletter, delivering awesome content straight to your inbox every Friday. And if you want to meet Brendan and I in person, along with some of the incredible guests that will be joining us on the show live and in person, join us at Creator Economy Live on January 17th next year. You can find links to the newsletter and more info on the live event in our bio. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. This podcast is brought to you by Linkia, the number one influencer marketing partner for the world's leading brands. Having executed over 3,000 campaigns for more than 650 brands, Linkia combines technology powered by Google Vision AI with award-winning service to deliver measurable influencer results.